So uh, yeah, the title track made it to number twenty-four on the chart. So it was you know, another kind of hit for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, did you tour again with Earth, Wind, and Fire on that record, or what happened with that? No, we end up getting our own separate tours uh, with different acts. At that time, uh, I think we went out with uh, oh GQ, GQ. I was there. That's I remember that Gap Band, Cameo, Cameo. Yeah, um, you know a bunch of different groups. Yeah, uh, Evelyn Champagne King. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was never quite the epic master tour of Earth Wind and Fire. So it was a, a tours on on a smaller level, but great tours though really fun yeah so sort of like funk fest type of shows yeah 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 some of uh some tours some like one-offs uh that would happen a lot of colleges right a lot of colleges remember that yeah i seem to remember that we did a a few like it was us pockets uh cameo and gq and co-headline sometimes yeah. cameo would be the headliner sometimes pockets would be the headliner sometimes yeah. gq but i remember a few of those dates yeah yeah so what's uh the most unforgettable memory you have from the that tour anything stand out anything stand out whether whether maybe it was a mishap or something great either way uh that would have been the thing with Cameo. That's what Ray say. Yeah. <laughs> it had to be the thing with Cameo. <laughs> yeah, I remember playing uh, uh, one of those dates with Cameo and the plug got pulled for some reason. You know, I don't, don't, we don't know why. I still don't know why, but uh, the plug was pulled on us. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we went over time or what happened or the music was too good or so I don't know what happened. But anyway. We were rocking. We we were we we was cutting them a brand new one, as they say, and the crowd was into it, and they were headlining, and they were coming on after us. I just remember the energy was good. I remember everybody was in a zone. Larry was in a zone. The audience was in a zone. And the next thing you know, because it was our last song, you know, the last song. Next thing I know, boop. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow, accidentally, the power got. Yeah, Cut. we don't know what happened. Yeah, Power don't God. know what happened. <laughs> did, did you guys get pissed off? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, I think the manager got really pissed off. <laughs> More so than us. Right. Well, at least you got most of your set in. Yeah, we got most of it all in. Yeah, except for that last little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what about going back on the uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire tour? What, what was there one? venue or one show that just really stands out for some particular reason i would have to say the time we played here in our hometown we played uh uh it was called the baltimore civic center and it was just amazing coming back playing with earth and fire in your hometown to all your people right that you know cool yeah so you're like see i knew what i was doing dropping out of college <laughs> right <laughs> for me it was cool coming to the show because you know i was i was there i was introducing they were introducing me to earth wind and fire meet met verdine and you know he found oh this oh this is gary's little brother oh and then he called me my nickname and from that day on verdine <laughs> would always call me 
by my nickname whenever he saw me. He still calls me by my nickname when he wants to know your nickname. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't ask. <laughs> what, yeah, what is that nickname? <laughs> so my nickname growing up, my nickname was Boo Boo. Boo Boo? Yeah, B-O-O-B-O-O. Yeah, that's just what they call me. And so I guess some in the band, you know, the pockets guys, the George, especially, hey Boo Boo, what's going on? And the Verdi was like, Boo Boo. Boo Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's great. So that was cool. That was cool for me for different reasons, though. Yeah. yeah. So um, did you guys do any TV appearances uh, during those years? Did you do Soul Train and that kind of thing? No, nah, we were supposed to do Soul Train, but I, I don't know what happened. We did not do it. Um, no, it was mostly just a lot of radio stuff, radio appearances and concerts. But no, no TV. I wish we did do some video. That would yeah. have been killer, but we didn't do it. Yeah. yeah. What, what about your uh, show itself? Did it change much? Uh, obviously, you did a few more songs because you had more with the second record. But did the way you presented the band change much from the first tour with Earth, Wind, and Fire to what you did later on when you went out yourself? Yeah, because, uh, I mean, we, we're kind of copying after Earth, Wind, and Fire. And we wanted to do it and they did it on purpose even to the fact where the outfits yeah. uniforms yeah. that that we we bought um kind of was looked like earth on the fire ish yeah um but yeah and then you know we learned a lot from what they did what they did on shows and just kind of took that and kind of you know made it something that we would use of course we didn't have all the the, the props and everything that was lovely to have if you had all that money but you have doug henning on your staff no no <laughs> you do the tubes on no disappearing anything so but yeah yeah stuff kind of evolved over the years yeah. well the second record got to number 22 so you guys were still flying pretty high with those records uh the first two and um the third one so delicious came out 79 um Disco. Yeah. So what changed with that and what were the uh, influencers that shaped that record into what it ended up being? Well, I know that record, there was definitely a lot more outside writers uh, for that record. Um, matter of fact, I think there was a few outside players even on the record. Because um, a, a lot of like the horn section a lot of people were starting to do different projects get into different things getting to producing themselves um you know on other artists so everybody's getting a lot more busier um in that whole music scene um thinking thinking about it you know hindsight i should have been more on the business side and probably should have told everybody no nah, Let's get back in here and, and try to, you know, stick to the formula and create our own and try to keep that going. Because in the end, writing and having your credits is where it all is in this whole music industry. Right. If you become a good writer, that kind of brings you up. But I didn't do that. I wasn't thinking about that at that time. So. Yeah, you're just still enjoying the ride too much. Yeah, I was enjoying <laughs> the ride, you know. Yeah. That record, I mean, to me, definitely was not as strong as the first two. Yeah. Personally, you know. Yeah. Um, Feel the same. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and the charts kind of reflected that too. It got to 43 and um, so delicious got to 34. Mm -hmm. um, not to say there wasn't still, you know, some good stuff on that record because mm -hmm. you know definitely was i mean um how do you think it feels was a nice upbeat soul song kind of had a real early 70s kind of feel to it yeah um, um why'd you do that it's mm -hmm. a real kind of swinging r&b track yes um, i play drums on uh, you did the delphonics uh cover on there right um and then yeah, he had some disco kind of stuff with like Catch Me. Um and um what was the other disco stuff on there? I know you had some other charisma. Yeah. Yep, yep, definitely charisma. Mm -hmm. And um Baby, are you coming home with me? Yeah. Um, a little bit. Um, so it was Redeem less involved on that on that record than he had been. No, he was still very much involved. Um, uh, yeah, matter of fact, they'll be bringing in all the other writers for the influence um, of that particular album. You know, Verding kind of brought them in. And that was cool. Yeah, I see on the crit, Jerry Hay was doing some of the um, horn arrangements. Great, great horn guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but one of the notes I made on the on the list of credits I have was just I, I wrote down more people exclamation point. Right. <laughs> you know I mean? A lot more people in this project. A lot more people. Yeah. Maybe a few too many chefs in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. I just felt that in I I think it would have turned out better if, like I said before, if I had the hindsight or we all had the hindsight to right. Right. come back in, you know. And, and concentrate on us instead of worrying about all those other things that was going on out at that time. Right. That's the way I feel. I got to say, though, So Delicious, that title track, it's kind of unusual, you know, mellow R&B track, definitely something a little different and a real nice flute in there. Yeah, right. right. Um, and uh, Your Heart's in Trouble. Uh, I like the gospel, like funk kind of flavor in that one. Yeah, and uh, I think that should have been a single. I agree with you. When I yeah. mention it now, I think about it. I agree. Yeah. What, what was the, the the biggest single on that one? It was the title track. Ah, okay, okay, All right. Thirty-four. All right. Mm -hmm. oh. Didn't they release "Catch Me" as well? I think they did. Yeah, that was definitely disco, disco, disco. Yeah. Also, uh, this one, unless I'm mistaken, to me it seemed like it had the most the most emphasis on sort of the falsetto vocals. Yeah, yeah, I think it did. I think it was between Larry and Charlie. Charles was the trumpet player. Did a lot of falsetto singing on that. So, what happened around this record? And you know, was was it? the record label at all you think or the management that was trying to push it in the direction it ended up going or was it verdine or you know how did i i know you weren't paying as much attention as you said maybe you should have but who was kind of driving that train you think uh the keyboard player and probably verdine mostly as i remember um, yeah 
it's interesting uh, thinking about it too from the perspective of Earth, Wind, and Fire because they got a lot mellower and sort of more pop at the end of the seventies too. You know, with Boogie Wonderland and kind of the direction they went, they were quite a bit a ways away from like the all in all. You yeah. know, when you guys first connected with them. Yeah. So yeah, after the love is gone, all that stuff they were doing. I kind of think that whole <clears throat> that was the beginning of the whole disco phase. <clears throat> So, and I know that um, Charles was partnership with um, another writer, Kelly. Yeah, Evan. And they were doing other side projects. And that's kind of why we, you know, as Pockets, we weren't all together writing for that particular thing. Because everybody was kind of doing their own, own thing, going out, you know, I guess trying to create their own, which I can't blame them. That's what most people do. Right. So, and which is probably why uh, pockets stopped at that time, because everybody kind of went different directions on working on their own uh, projects. So, what what did the when did you find out, or when did it become certain there wasn't going to be a, a follow up to that record? Uh, there was a meeting. There was a meeting. Uh, uh yeah in the 80s 1980 and was it a friendly parting or was it you know what was it what was it well i mean for me i was disappointed that they decided you know to to part ways um and then i was kind of disappointed that everybody decided to branch out and try to do their own things because i was like hey we're a group let's let's try to stick this together you know, we right. can, you know, go back and, re and start writing and create another album. But yeah, you know, everybody wanted to try their own projects. So I said, okay, well, you can't keep everybody together. <laughs> you can't keep people together. They want to stay together right now. So, yeah. yeah. Did you guys actually do any uh, live shows based on after that third record or did you just kind of? No, we did a, did a lot, of, lot of live shows after that. Oh, so you still toured after the third record? Yeah, we had. Wow still some obligations that was on the books right. contracts and everything right. so he still played then eventually it kind of fizzled out i think um you know when they went their own way i started getting a lot of studio calls to do a lot of sessions so i kind of went in that direction and um i think you did the same right yeah i started yeah. working with uh peaches and herb after that so and I was a drummer, you know, it was like, hey, you can be the drummer with Peaches and Herb. Yeah. So I said, okay, well, may as well do it. I was disappointed as well that Pockets kind of didn't yeah. continue, though. You know, I mean, that's, that's why I left school. You know, and it was it was a family unit. So, but, uh, I don't think we even tried to. We tried to work, do some studio work or, or try to create some other tracks in Philly at Sigma Sound. Right, with Bobby Eli. Yeah, with Bobby Eli. Uh, so we went up there a few times to try to try to get the magic back with right. the, with the same guys. But everybody was too busy doing their own thing, so it was really hard to do, yeah. hard to recreate. Yeah. So, what kind of session work besides Peaches and Herb? What else did you guys get involved with in the uh, early, later into the eighties? Well, <laughs> a, a name that you would know. Uh, well, you might not know. You, you ever heard of Diodato? Sure. Okay. I did two of his albums. 
back at that time. We did a lot of stuff with Sigma. Yeah, like in Philly, this yeah, blue, Philly, blue magic, blue magic, yeah. and and uh, what's the young the young lady? I can't think of a name. Right, Betty, Betty Wright, Betty Wright. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we did we did a lot of sessions for a lot of a lot of different people. At that time, was doing a lot of commercial jingle stuff, you know, mm -hmm. for small time, you know, local stuff. Get called for that. That yeah. was cool. Uh, we experimented with producing a record for ourselves. Oh yeah, that's right. That's that's also <laughs> when we released a, a disco hit called "Shine Your Light" under the name The Grangers. Right, and it actually did pretty good on the charts. What what year was that? It would have been I want to say 81. 80, 81 or eighty two somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It uh, it was at either twenty made it to the top twenties. Um. It was number one in a lot of states. Yeah. And most recently it's been, it's it's in the movie White Boy Rick. <laughs> yeah. Well, Interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You can you can look it up. It's called The Grangers Shine Your Light. It was a big roller skating song, apparently. Uh we actually did some touring on that. That's great. We, we actually did. <laughs> yeah. Well, I definitely have to look that up. Yeah. Very cool. Um during that time in the, I, I didn't really ask when Pockets was still together, but in the late 70s, early 80s, were there any bands that were um, around at the time or artists that you guys really uh, admired or kind of, you know, who were a couple of your favorite uh, contemporaries aside from Earth, Wind & Fire? I love Chicago. Yeah. Uh, I love the group called The Gap Band. Yeah. yeah I really love them. Yeah. Um, we love love slave yeah we thought they were pretty hot steve Rankin and slave uh, yeah pleasure yeah pleasure yeah Jeez. <laughs> they're all coming back yeah uh, atlantic star atlantic star, atlantic star. yeah mm -hmm. love them it's, it's a long list yeah <laughs> <to> keep going <laughs> but you know of course earth and fire still stayed the top for us definitely yeah yeah so um, let's get a little more uh, up to date then. So you guys still did session work in the 90s and into the 2000s. And did did you ever get any facsimile of pockets back together and do any one-offs or anything like that? Well, going back, going back, let's see. Going back to the early 80s when we were doing the session work and then did the Granger thing. We also started working in like a like a, a more like a circuit band situation, uh, band called Max, that we kind of you know worked while we were doing the sessions and all the other stuff. Then as Max went on, I would say around the 85, 86, that's kind of when we we split up, right? Because I I got an audition, well, I got called in an audition for uh, John Schofield, guitarist. Went up to New York and did that and got the gigs. So that was cool. Right. And got a chance to hook up with John and learn about a whole nother phase of music. Right. Um, he's a great player. Uh, he's an amazing player. Yeah, good guy, too. Um, good guy. 
And at that same time, you got called. Yeah, 88, I got called to uh, to go out on tour, well, to do the Grammys with Whitney, and then that ended up being a, a European tour with Whitney Houston. So he, he was doing the jazz thing, and I was doing yeah. the pop thing. Yeah. I was overseas in Europe <laughs> playing all those jazz festivals with Schofield and Dennis Chambers. He was on the pop scene playing with Whitney Houston. Dennis yeah. Chambers is a beast. Yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that went on until the 90s. Right. Uh, John decided to, you know, go a different way. So came back home, tried to regroup. And I think same thing happened with Whitney. Yeah, the, the uh, musical director changed position. New musical director, normally what happens there is new, new band, just like a company. You know, so from 88 to 90 was when I was with him. So that changed. So, yeah, we came back in. Uh, yeah. So then we decided we started thinking more business wise. <laughs> uh, we created a, a, a studio, home studio, okay. uh, created a record label with a friend of ours that was uh, did a lot of tour, um, tour support and, and tour management. He's actually still Earth Wind yeah. Fire's tour manager to yeah. this day. Yeah. Still our buddy. So we created a record company and then we started creating our own projects. Um, mainly, we started off calling our stuff Granger, just Granger. And it's kind of like jazz, funk, music, yeah. if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, Granger Phase One, first CD, did, did, did pretty good. Um, did really good. That's because yeah. Come Here Baby, we got a. Um, that song featured uh, Mesa Leak and Kim Waters, and it actually went number one on a few stations. And from that song, we got some calls from some major labels interested in, you know, um, yeah. signing the group. What, what year did that come out? 96. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. We were producing too a lot there, yeah. producing a lot of different local acts, uh, and doing a lot of jingle work, commercial work, and everything out of our studio. Yeah. So, um, and then phase two. Yeah, then did phase two, uh, which I had Schofield on a few of those songs in phase two. Yeah. Uh, and then now, long up and coming, <laughs> we're just releasing phase three. Right. <laughs> well, phase two came out what year? 2001, yeah. roughly. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is in between working and playing and gigging yeah. and doing other people's projects and really trying to get a better handle on the business. Yeah. You know, trying to make sure that we uh, make the right moves this time. Not to mention there was the family stuff happens, you know. Yeah. People getting married. <laughs> you got kids. Yeah. You come life. Yeah, yeah. life. Yeah. You got to make sure the money's coming in. So you yeah. got to stop thinking, no, oh, okay, make sure the business is right. <laughs> so. And then whenever we did whatever we did with Granger, there people would still see Gary and go, "Weren't you in Pockets?" Yeah, I mean, Pockets would still come pockets up. Still would come up all the time. Yeah, no matter where I would go. Well, you guys still done some shows where you performed the Pocket songs, right? Well, okay, moving on to that. <laughs> so after you know playing with all those different groups and everything, and us doing the Granger thing, um, I think somewhere in there you. Got the call to go join uh, Acoustic Alchemy, right? Acoustic Alchemy, yeah, yeah, which is an English smooth jazz band. Yeah. yeah. And then eventually, um, 
the bass player, he decided to do his own thing. Right. And Greg called me to join Acoustic Alchemy. So that's how we got back together playing in that group called Acoustic Alchemy for yeah. last 14 years. 17 for me, <laughs> yeah, 14 for Gary. It was funny because yeah. they knew of Gary through Schofield. And, you know, obviously I'm Gary's brother. That's the first thing. Greg Granger, yeah, you related to Gary? Yes, you Gary's brother? Yes, so that's been my name for a long time. That's <laughs> Gary's brother, which is cool. Yeah. Um, so when Frank left the base basis for Alchemy, Miles was like, so man, I wish, so do you think your brother would consider playing with us? <laughs> I'll just ask him, and Gary's like, yeah, sure. So then they were like, oh, wow, oh, so Gary's yeah. playing bass with us, you know, so yeah, yeah, get the Granger brothers, yeah. <laughs> so you returned the uh, pockets favor. Exactly. exactly. Never exactly. thought about yeah, it like right. that, exactly. but you're absolutely <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but uh, going back to pockets, what would happen is, you know, playing with all these different artists with Schofield and Acoustic Alchemy, I'll still get fans all around the world that would bring up pockets albums from your side, you know, in Japan and, and Copenhagen. Crazy and, Japan, uh, yeah. UK, just uh, France, all over. So it got me thinking. I said, "Okay, well, maybe I should just call the guys and see if if they'd be willing to maybe get together and you know try to have at it again. You know, not 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 go as serious as we did before, but at least just make some new material, put it out, and see what happens. Because the name, the brand name, is still very hot. You know, so that's kind of what we did. Eventually, talked talked to most of the people that were still alive because we had uh, keyboard player passed away." Sax player passed away. Right. Uh, so I got together, have a, had a meeting at my house. Said, "Hey, this is my plan. You know, let's, let's write some new tunes, and let's let's just see what happens. You know, nothing, nothing heavy. You know, we ain't got no contracts right now. It's a whole different, different scene musically. Right. So they ain't even about that. So we we got together and did that. We actually put the band back together, and we did a few." rough shows just to brush the dust off, so to speak, <laughs> locally. Right. And started recording. Um, eventually, what ended up happening was a lot of cats, there was in too much other stuff, too many obligations, and really couldn't give the time into doing this again. So ended up breaking back down to just uh, you, I, and uh, uh, Larry, Larry, yep, Larry Jacobs, original lead singer, yep. and uh, another singer that we got, younger guy from Baltimore, joined in with us, and we started working that as the new pockets, so to speak. We put together a single uh, and actually released it, but we released it more so overseas than than here. And what that did was. Uh, a promoter got to get called me up and said, look, I got these two events over in the UK. Can you come over and do pockets with this group called Breakwater? Right. So that's probably the last biggest thing we've done as pockets. We did two dates in the UK and it was amazing. Yeah. Really amazing because they were all sold out and people were coming out the woodworks with albums to come, you know, to sign. It was really, really cool to, to get that thing again. Yeah. This would have been yeah. what, 2017. Yeah, 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 2017. And there, we still might do some more because every time we're over there, we are asked to come back and bring yeah. pockets 
Bring pockets back. <laughs> We're still working on some material yeah. together. So um, plus this new age now, it's about singles more than it is about the whole uh, CD. People hear one single, they download yeah. the single. The single becomes product. So it makes it a little easier because we can focus in on one track at a time and then introduce it. And it's internet radio now, which makes things a lot easier as well. So yeah, we, we want to continue to build the fan base or to keep the fan base of pockets, but to also build it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, what year about was it when you first approached the guys to, to see about rekindling it? Oh, that had to been let's see, 17, 16, 15, 14. May have been 13 or 14. Yeah, talking to them, seeing if they were interested in trying to get it back together. What was it like when you first uh, were together, first struck it up and tried to play one of the tracks again? I was like, you know, thought the it's same. Much like, roster just kind of went right into it. Yeah, yeah. And everybody yeah. knew their part. It was all cool. Yeah. I mean, we had to, you know, of course, we had to get another keyboard player because, you know, our guy's gone, sax player. But yeah, yeah. Thought the same. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 I think there's a lot of folks that would like to see a Breakwater and uh, Pockets uh, show stateside. Um, you know, I had. Um, uh, Steve and Greg on not too long ago mm -hmm. uh, talking about what they're up to and um, there's definite interest <laughs> you know, still in uh, you know the great music that you guys do so we'll have to make sure that you know about it when we do it because it's not too far-fetched that we will not do it so we'll let you know so after oh, we get, finished, get finished plugging hey, this, here he comes uh oh <laughs> so can that be uh purchased now or or not it 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 will be available for purchase i'm gonna say by the uh first part of february yeah um on amazon all, the phase one and phase two you can get on cd baby amazon itunes all the usual yeah so this will be on all the same the same spots as well are there any guests on that one? There was a lot of guests on all our Granger CDs. Yeah. yeah. Kim Waters, Schofield, um, Paul Jackson Jr., yeah. uh, Mesa. Yeah. Bunch of people. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, congratulations on that. Yeah, Paul Reed Smith. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It took like, what, 13 years or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had to stop working just for a little bit to yeah. get it done. <laughs> And this, wow. there might be a, a new pocket single coming out too. So yeah, people, yeah, we'll let you know about that as well. We'll drag Larry back out. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. So uh, guys, um, it's so great to hear that you're still so you know deep into it. You know, um, if you look back on all you've done and all you've accomplished, what would you say that you're most proud of in your musical career? I would probably say that I'm most proud of making that decision to go play with Luther Ingram <laughs> from, the, from college. Because <laughs> if I probably wouldn't have done that, I don't know if the journey would have been the same, you know, because that all kind of started from there. You got to take a little leap of faith sometimes, right? 
Yep. Yep. Jump out there. Mm. That's a good question. That's a good question. Not not necessarily most proud of as far as the gigs are concerned, but it's just in the musical career. I guess I'm most proud of the fact that we did eventually get our toe into the business side by starting the record label and starting the studio and getting a better understanding. Um, that way, as things grow, we won't make the same mistakes from the past. You're supposed to learn, right, it's from the past. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that, there's so many musicians that the music business, we always miss the business part of the music business. So I'm glad that we definitely decided to get into the to get business. into that side of it for yeah. real. <laughs> yeah. What um, what would you say is the key to the pocket sound? You know, what are a couple of the elements that make pockets what it was and and maybe what it still is with what you guys are doing? But you know what. Um, you know, I like to say, what is the essence of, of that signature sound? I would say it was the, you know, rhythm section groove, right. along with, uh, you know, adding the tasteful horn section right. and also having Larry's uh, unique voice, which is totally different from any other stuff I heard out there. So definitely that, that combination is what I think it is. Yeah, and I guess before I joined the group, what I noticed was that it had like a gospel funky influence. And I'm, I'm thinking that maybe was from Al McKinney because he played in his father's church. You know, um, Happy for Love kind of had a gospel funky kind of influence on the groove. This is before I actually became part of the group. So just that undertone with Gary and George, this feel well come go with me it's, it's basically yeah that, like we're talking about going to heaven so it's really gospel yeah, <laughs> yeah. so that's what i picked yeah. up on and then yeah then putting the the, yeah. the the horns with larry's unique voice yep there you have it yeah. guys you have any other uh words that you'd like to share with viewers and fans out there yeah um for the, I guess the young people that may watch this <laughs> this uh, video. If you can stay in there and uh, if you're into music, you know, try to get into actually playing the instrument and learning learning about it. It's, it's very fulfilling to, to do that. Because um, I think the, the art of playing live music is, is starting to be lost right because a lot of it's not in schools and right. we're really trying to kind of do our best to try to bring it back um to the young people so they can start learning how to actually play these things and not just worry about the, the little pushing buttons and everything and then um even playing and singing you know learning how to really sing because a lot of days singing is not even not a requirement right. to go in the studio because they can fix everything in the studio. So just just learning for real is is much better, and much more fulfilling. I think. Right. I agree with him. I, I agree with him. There's an organization that I helped to co-found called the Musicianship, 
the musicianship.org. And that's what the whole purpose is. It's about uh, bringing music to to inner city youths. Gary is an ambassador of that. And we have a lot of professional musicians like Victor Williams, uh, I'm sorry, Victor Victor Wooten, um, Dennis Chambers, because it is about exactly what Gary said, trying to get music, real music back to, to the youth. So I agree with everything he said, stay with it and then learn how to play music. You know, computers are good, but learn the heart, you know, where it actually comes from. Yeah. Yeah. And how can everybody keep up with what you guys are doing in your various projects? Uh, that's the website. I wrote. Yeah, yeah. It's a few ways. Um, um, we have a website. It's www.granger.band, B-A-N-D. And that basically has like a little pie chart of everything, the Granger projects, one, two, and three, and then over to Pockets and then over to a few other things. So that that's the best way. Yeah. Um, we're going to increase our social media presence. Yeah, that's um, what we're supposed to do these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with and there, there is Facebook, but that will also tie you into our Facebook Granger page, um, and anything that says Granger Brothers, because Granger Brothers, we're gonna be putting a lot of projects yeah. out under that name of Granger Brothers. It may be Granger Brothers featuring Pockets. It may be Granger Brothers featuring Lonnie Liston Smith because we've yeah. worked with him as well. Maybe Granger Brothers featuring Par the Parry Smith Band. Um, so www.granger.band. There you have it. You know, did either of you or any one from the family ever think about going solo under the name Lone Granger? <laughs> <laughs> Not as of yet. <laughs> so the, the lady to ask. For Acoustic Alchemy used to always say that, yeah, you you should do a project and call it the Lone Granger. Lone Granger. And then he would laugh <laughs> oh, <yeah>. forever. <laughs> it's a great name. And he would just laugh, the Lone Granger. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we should do that. Oh, yeah. So Acoustic Alchemy, if we can, if you don't mind, that since we both play with Acoustic Alchemy, we have a new CD out as well. Just happened to be sitting here. It's called 33 and a Third. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, I got the vinyl. There you go. There you go. And that's how long the band has been together, actually. So it just kind of worked out well. Yeah. Yeah. We did some writing on that one. Yes. Oh, so I know it's going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) But this has been great, Scott. Thank you very much. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. So glad we could uh, get it together. Mm -hmm. And uh, wish you continued success, and especially, you know, with the new material. And, uh, you know, we want... We want the the pockets. We want the 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 Granger sound out there. So bring it to us. Okay, we'll do. We'll do, and we'll send you. We'll send you uh, some of this new stuff as well. I appreciate that. Outstanding. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right, guys. Take care. Thank take you. Take care, man. All right. You okay. too. Bye bye. As the late great Soul Train host Don Cornelius might have said, it was a stone cold gas hanging out with the Grangers. Can you imagine being a young musician breaking into the business? By recording with and performing on the road with the legendary Earth, Wind, and Fire, it's uh, kind of all downhill from there, but at least for a few years, the Granger Brothers got to enjoy the wild ride. And how wonderful is it that they continue to create beautiful music to this day? I want to thank Gary and Greg Granger once again for their time and openness with the Truth and Rhythm audience. 
Speaking of which, if you haven't already done so, subscribe to Truth and Rhythm. It's so easy to do. Go to YouTube, subscribe to the Funkin' Stuff channel, and you'll get YouTube, um, you'll get uh, Truth and Rhythm, rather, and also special features like Truth and Rhythm quick takes and uh, premieres before everybody else gets to see them. So subscribe, tell a friend, tell family, support the show. Speaking of which, get that interaction going. Email me at scottg at funkinstuff.net. Let me know what you like about the show, what else you'd like to see, what else you might like to uh, have happen uh, through the program, through Truth and Rhythm, through Funkin' Stuff, through whatever. Uh, just uh, share your, your feelings and thoughts on your favorite musical artists. I love talking music, and you'll find that I'm very responsive. So keep the email coming. Love it. And with that, as always, this is Scott, Dr. Jukes Wolfine, signing off by saying, you know the drill. Keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one.